I'm Les Newsom, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church in Oxford, Mississippi, and presently serving as the chairman of the RYM board. And you're listening to the Local Youth Worker Podcast by Reformed Youth Ministries. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, today, I'm here with Les Newsom, as you just heard from the tagline, and, and Brent Corbin. Uh, Brent, Les, how's it going? Yeah, man, doing great. Glad to be here. Good to be with you, John. Yeah, good good to see you guys. Uh, looking forward to talking today uh, about uh, RYM. Uh, we, we have a lot of different topics that we talk about on this podcast, but to talk about uh, the ministry of RYM, more some of the history, some of the, the looking forward. Um, you know, we just, I guess, at the time of this recording, three weeks ago, we're at the board meeting together in Houston. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I've been thinking too, but uh, Thanksgiving break. Right I think now, so. It's throwing me off. So, yeah, three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it'd be good to give our listeners a little bit of a picture of of RYM. Those who are maybe tuning in for the first time and don't know much about RYM, but those who our longtime listeners and, and giving a little bit um, of the background of RYM. Uh, Les, you've been on the podcast, I think, twice or so. Brent, maybe same. Yeah, I keep That's right. I keep waiting to be asked to be on it more, John, but hadn't happened as much <laughs> as I had hoped. Well, and it's funny. I, I mean, as I think about this, um, you know, Les, chairman of the board, Brent, you're my boss. And so it's like, there's a lot of pressure on this podcast. <laughs> I, I need to be really careful. John, you're, you're, John, you're probably wondering why we've called you here today. <laughs> yeah. um, there's some issues we need you to run. You yes, usually ask looming. <laughs> <laughs> I usually schedule the podcast, but you guys schedule this one. So, okay. Um, let's get this <laughs> Um, so look, I, I thought, uh, again, Les, you've been on twice and, uh, but, but you've been connected to RYM for quite some time. And so maybe just, and, and I don't know if this is putting you on the spot, but what is your very first memory of RYM? Do you remember the first time you heard RYM and just give us a little bit there? Yeah. You know, uh, one of the, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a problem, but one of the things that happens when you get older is you kind of become the default historian, whether you want to or not. And so you can tell all the old people in the room because they know all the old stories. Um, uh, yeah, I, the first time I ever came across RYM was as a very young campus minister uh, in, I believe, 1994. Uh, some of the people that were responsible for my introduction into college campus ministry all began talking about how helpful it was that there was a ministry uh, that helped sort of move people into college campus ministry. Uh, and so it was called Reformed Youth Movement back then, RYM, Reformed Youth Movement. Um, and so I began to do a couple of uh, 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 retreats for them, did a couple of seminars. So in 1995, uh, they asked me to serve on the board. It's really interesting to watch the growth uh, of RYM during that time because um, I served for the next 10 years uh, uh, till about 2005. And during that season, what, what, what RYM really was, was nothing more than a single one-week beach conference that was committed to solid biblical teaching and uh, youth director resourcing as much as we were able to do. Uh, at a one, one, you know, we got one week in the year shot at doing it. 
Um, and so it was very limited. You know, the board would get together for one week during a year. We would assign and dole out responsibilities. Uh, and then we would rally down at the beach in July and put on the conference. <laughs> uh, and so it was fairly um, uh, haphazard a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, glorious disorganization that happened during that time. But I don't think that anyone during those days doubted the fact that there was something that we had stumbled across that was scratching an itch that needed to be paid attention to in youth ministry. And that was that, um, first of all, high school students struck us as remarkably strategic. I still think that is the case. Second of all, we didn't know that the prevailing mood of the day among youth ministry was really challenging high school students in the way in which they could. Um, we came with a conviction that the Reformed tradition um, is just as accessible to high schoolers as it was to college students or as it was to adults. And so students regularly came back from ROAM saying, you know, not only was I deeply and powerfully spiritually challenged about my relationship with the Lord Jesus, I also learned a ton. Uh, I grew during that time. I became hungry. I actually read my first Bible book uh, from my time in RYM. So very early on, the seeds of what I think make RYM great today were present in that early board during that time. Now, I got off in 2005, and probably due to my departure, RYM exploded in its uh, uh, influence in the years afterwards. And I watched with some joy uh, RYM become what it is today uh, and really advancing into what it's becoming as one of the most trusted names in youth ministry. Hmm. Well, and, and tell me too, okay, 1994, are you in seminary at this time? Are you finished with seminary? And, and tell our listeners yeah. where you went to seminary. No, I was in seminary from 91 to 94 uh, at RTS in Jackson and had returned to the University of Memphis where I went to undergrad uh, to start the Ministry of Reformed University Fellowship, the denominational ministry of the Presbyterian Church in America, uh, at the University of Memphis. And so I had just begun in the summer of 1994 there. Uh, and again, that's when I began to notice the utility. Prior to that, in my time in college, I had been very involved in my home church in youth ministry, serving in my last year in college as the assistant youth director at uh, the sort of large non-denominational Bible church uh, that I was serving at at the University of Memphis. So I had, a, or in Memphis. And so I had a background in youth ministry, uh, had honestly planned on heading towards youth ministry after seminary before the good folks from RUF uh, got in contact with me and I took a little bit of a different turn. Sure. Yeah. And, and you might not remember this. It, it was, I mean, as you were starting off, I knew this, but I totally forgot reformed youth movement. Do you remember discussion of changing that from movement to ministry or when that happened? Again, you might not remember exact dates and I'm putting you on the spot, but just curious. Well, I don't remember dates. I do remember what the subject was. Um, the reason why, if I'm not mistaken, I was not there for these discussions, but the reason why the word movement came in for ministry is because th there was a recognition that the service that RYM was providing was intending uh, to be a resourcing ministry, uh, not necessarily something that was going to replace the ministry of the local church. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, and so ministry, they felt like, inched a little too close to something that was really uh, church-based, church-overseen, and church-run, uh, rather than being sort of a resourcing ministry and an arm to come in and help youth ministers and what they're doing in local churches now. So it, it was a very fine-tuned distinction 
I'm not exactly sure why there were uh, there was time spent on something like that. Ministries, I think, makes much more sense to the broader uh, uh, group of people. Movement now feels like a, a cult, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, in retrospect, ministries, I think, is a little more accessible to people. Sure. Yeah. And and Brent, I saw you kind of raise your hand when I asked that. Was there something well, to add there? It's pretty funny because uh, in my capacity over the last 18 months in being involved um, in an official capacity, the the official incorporation of RYM is still the Reformed Youth Movement, which is hilarious because um, as I, well, it's not hilarious. It's, I guess, maybe only funny to me. Uh, as I was like searching for all these legal documents and doing all the, you know, the fun executive director type work over the last year and a half, I just recognized that we have official IRS documents under both names and it has made for an absolute mess of, of legal filings. And at, we've had six different addresses that have been used through the years. I mean, it's just been an absolute nightmare. So uh, our, the official line is we are uh, incorporated as the Reformed Youth Movement, Inc. Uh, we are doing business as Reformed Youth Ministries, and um, which matters, again, to no one except for me because I've spent untold hours uh, climbing through that stuff, and it's been really <laughs> exciting. We wanted you to have some challenges when you began this job uh, two years ago, <laughs> so uh, we, we, we placed it in there for that well very played. purpose. Yeah, and... and- for those of the listeners that are still awake um, after <laughs> that explanation, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I just think that's interesting to hear about. And and for our, our listeners out there, sincerely, you think of any ministry, I mean, ministry in the church, outside, just the behind the scenes stuff that has to get done that so many people will never see, never know about. Um, sincerely, thank you for for doing all that. Cause that is, that's a grind. Uh, and, and look, I, I know we're going to take a break before too long. Um, but I'd love for, for either of you just to, to briefly talk about the board of RYM. Um, I, I'm sure we've mentioned it on the, the podcast before, but maybe how many members are on the board, how the board interacts with the ministry, their roles. I mean, just any kind of general comments, thoughts that you guys have, which one of you wants to jump in on that less? Um, yeah, I want to, I want to say, make a general statement. Brent's probably going to be better to answer the specific questions about board composition. I'm going to tell you why your listeners shouldn't tune out. Okay. We're 10 minutes into this. (laughs) Stay tuned for this very reason. I, I think that there is a case to be made that one of the things that is going to secure the value of youth ministry going in the future uh, is our ability to build institutions. Now, I realize in making a statement like I just made, that is going to immediately feel to a lot of people like it's inauthentic. No, we want to we do something that's spirit-led. We want to do something that is driven by passion and by, um, you know, uh, 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 excitement and, you know, uh, uh, seeing opportunities that God might have for us in the future. Absolutely, that's all true. But again, and this is part of what it means to be in your 50s, my birthday is Friday, by the way. Not that anyone on this podcast cares. <clears throat> um, you should be looking for a package, actually. That I've there should be a package. Don't go, uh, tell your listeners, don't go all out. There's no need to spend lots of money on uh, birthday gifts. But this is what happens when you get into your 50s. You begin to realize that the organizations that actually have stood the test of time and been able to do the most long good are the ones that were able to institutionalized. They built not just exciting spirit-led ministries, but they built structures 
to uphold and support that ministry. Because it really is what, it's the organizations that showed faithfulness over time that had the longest view of ministry. I, I love RYM for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons is I've watched the board move together to create structures whereby every youth worker, every churchman, every elder out there in our particular footprint of ministry can know that there is institutional certainty to guarantee as best as you can in a, in a world filled with humans, sinful and otherwise, to guarantee that this ministry is going to continue to go, not just for you, not just for your children and your grandchildren for generation to come. That's how you have to build that. And that's where the RYM board exists to make sure that we're ensuring ministry that happens on the long haul. Mm, that's, yeah, that's excellent. Brian, I'd love for you to chime in as well. Sure. Yeah. I, that very same thing that Les just talked about, that the creation of institutions that can exist with longevity was something that was impressed upon me even when I was on campus with RUF at the University of Tulsa. Uh, you know, in that context, you're just one person occasionally with some interns in a very specific setting, ministering to a very specific group of people. But that the idea of I want to, you know, one day I will probably not be doing this job anymore on campus, and I want this ministry to these students at this campus to continue and flourish, uh, you know, hopefully even more so after I'm gone. And that that doesn't just happen automatically. And you can see it all all over the place in transitions in ministry. It certainly happens in other spheres too. But, um, you know, when you have ministries and organizations that are led uh, oftentimes by one person or a couple people, those, those transitions of leadership can have really uh, devastating or certainly unintended consequences. So I just started to think about it early on in ministry that, um, you know, one day, if and when I was going to leave RUF at University of Tulsa, uh, what would it look like to, at that time, hand off a ministry that wasn't personality driven, that wasn't, uh, you know, that I wasn't so central to the thing that it couldn't survive in my absence? And so um, stepping into RYM in the capacity that I have, uh, that's that really is still there, that um, I'm throwing myself into this work and I'm loving it. And uh, I love the kind of to think about the organizational nature of the, of everything. And in addition to the direct ministry impact that we have with students and with leaders and churches, but really my, my heart is the same that I brought from campus and RUF world to here is how can, how can I, in my capacity of, as executive director, further this ministry and create structures and create systems. And, and that involves a board that, um, has the wherewithal, knows what questions to ask, really sees, to Les's point earlier, sees the, tr- the strategic value of youth ministry uh, in an ongoing and ever-present way in the church. So those things are all over my radar as I think about the board, uh, the composition of the board, getting both ministry, sometimes, uh, you know, ministry people, youth ministers, pastors involved on the board, as well as people from different realms and business and legal professions, accounting, and all these things that come together, uh, each in their relative spheres to bring a wealth of knowledge to help the thing go and to help the thing last in perpetuity. Can I ask a question to you, Brent? I, I mean, do you feel though, I, I don't I would feel like we've been saying this for, for at least a, a decade or so, there really, there almost always is among um, youth ministries in general, 
uh, a little bit of an anti-institutional mindset that for some reason, if you create these structures and you start talking about something, that it sounds to people like a lifeless bureaucracy when that's really just not the case. What it is, is it's structure and it's, um, it, again, it's structure that allows you to be able to, uh, what I would call um, uh, 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 spread ministry, to expand ministry, to um, scale ministry, if you will. And I feel like in church movements, there's always this competition between freshness, spirit-led, you know, let's speak to the times versus yes, yes, but let's stop for a moment and make sure that this is not just a flash in the pan. And praise the Lord for youth movements, right? Because I mean, I think our country's evangelicalism in America is driven by a lot of youth movements that, you know, influence people over time. But you've got to find a healthy balance between there saying, yes, but I got to create something that's going to last even longer. I don't think that's just true for RYM. I think that's true for youth directors as well. You know, brothers and sisters who are doing youth ministry, you are not there for just a flash in the pan. You are not there for a year or 14 months or whatever the average stay of a youth ministry is. Lord willing, you're going to be there so that the children that you're dealing with now, young people you're dealing with now, will have generational experience with what you're establishing as values, as vision, as Again, structures that meet the needs of youth ministry. Am I wrong about that, though? Is there still an anti-institutional vibe out there in evangelicalism among these kinds of things? I, I suspect there probably is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to this particular space, but I think just if you zoom out and look at youth ministry more broadly, I think it would certainly be uh, the, the, attractive, the attraction of young people is, you know, to the, to the next thing, whatever the zeitgeist of the moment is and following that fad. It, because it's, it's easier to be faddish than it is to be formulaic and, you know, and structured in your approach. Because one of those, you can easily just go pick up the book of the day and kind of read on the techniques and the tips as to how to approach youth ministry versus, and I think this is part of the genius of, of, of how RYM has now for a long time thought about youth ministry, is pulling back and doing some of the meta-thinking uh, asking some of the philosophical nature uh, questions about the nature of youth ministry and not just what are we going to be doing in terms of our methods and our pragmatic efforts, but uh, but how do we do that? How do we think about doing the thing that we're going to go do? And so really, and that's, that's a huge part of our training is um, grabbing these young people and, and youth workers who are in this field, so to say, and and creating time for them to step back and uh, not, again, not just to evaluate their, their specific efforts and programs, but to evaluate the whole of how they are approaching ministry and who they are as people in ministry and what they're bringing to the table and their own gift set and their deficiencies and all of those things. And, you know, in an additional way, in what way do they fit into the system that is their local church? And so I think for, for youth ministry to, flourish in a long-term sustainable way? Those are some of the questions that have to be asked. Now, to the degree that I don't fully, you know, comprehend everything in youth ministry space uh, at this time, I don't know, but I would suspect that um, there is some capitulation to the moment, as there always is in uh, ministry to the cutting edge of culture with young people. Um, but I think there has, at least through RYM circles for a number of years now, been a more concerted effort to do the deeper, more structural work of how do we work alongside and within the church with parents in this covenantal 
ministry to our children. Well, and, and I can t- I can tell you that uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm my p- p- position right now is a lead pastor at Christ Presbyterian here in Oxford. And I, of all the things that I've noticed in talking to other pastor friends, you know, in and around, there really is no ministry in the church that suffers more from the what I would call um, nobody notices what I do until I don't do it syndrome, like youth ministry. Um, and and it's funny for me because I, I think, in, and you have this game in your mind where you're playing, like, man, is that our fault for just devaluing youth ministry? And that absolutely has to be the case. Our meaning other leadership in the church, like sessions and pastors and whatever else. Um, but there, I do think in some ways, youth ministers there's an opportunity for RYM to step into the gap of training youth ministers to think in terms of a larger structure of what I'm doing versus, hey, please just get me a handful of games that I can play at next week's uh, you know, large group gathering, which is essential. We absolutely want to be there to help you with next week's fun games and stuff. Of course, that's part of it. But to be able to introduce to a generation of youth ministers, hey, but what are we going to look like? What does this ministry need to look like five years down the road, 10 years down the road? I would love to see RYM posture itself as a way of sort of equipping that kind of ministry, uh, that you are not an afterthought in local church ministry. You are tomorrow's church. <laughs> uh, and so the investment that we're making to that generation has got to be long-term and not faddish. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you are in some of those leadership structures in churches, whether that's on a session or serving on a committee that is involved with youth or maybe even a senior pastor of a church, whatever it may be, ask RYM or a similarly trusted youth ministry institution, how can we as a church better understand the thing that is youth ministry? Um, because we all suffer when we devolve into the caricature of what youth ministry is. And so, you know, to have a session or an elder board at a church ask, Hey, what is, hey, youth minister, what is your approach? What are you after? How do you think about what you're doing? Uh, how do you need us to help you? How can we further resource you? And that doesn't just mean money. Uh, how can we get you the training you need and get you the, uh, the, the things to do so that you can do the things in your hands so, so that you can do the thing you know you need to go do? Um, those are questions that I would love for churches uh, to either continue or to start asking. Yeah, no, Les and Brent, this this is great. And, you know, I know, obviously, youth workers tune into this podcast, but we have a lot of parents tune into this podcast. And I've heard from parents who say, you know, th- this podcast has really helped open their eyes to, to some of the challenges that youth workers deal with. And, I mean, Les, you were kind of highlighting that just a minute ago. So, look, let's take a break. And on the other side of the break, I think we'll get into some of these opportunities for RYM to partner with churches, with uh, youth workers specifically, we might be looking back a little bit too as we talk about some of the history, but also just the challenges and, and the threats as well as the opportunities. So we'll take a quick break and I'll be back with Les and Brent. All right, everybody, I'm back here with Les and Brent. Uh, we, we've been kind of looking back, talking about, you know, history of our way, and we kind of ended maybe looking forward a little bit and maybe continuing to kind of be forward looking, thinking about RYM, but also thinking more broadly than RYM uh, and the church and the future of the church. But 
maybe, you know, talking about just general threats, challenges, concerns for, for RYM, but also just youth ministry in general. Um, Les, you want to jump in on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's any sort of earth shattering news to say that the, the speed with which cultural change has um, speed may not be the right word. I think, I think the change youth movements, I think are changing in the sense that they happen over much shorter periods of time. Um, movements kind of rise, take place, burn out quicker than they used to be. And I think what that's led to in, in American youth ministry is just an increasing polarization of um, people not knowing how to interact with each other, counter movements rising up that, you know, can be very distracting. Uh, once someone presents you with a very difficult case of someone who says, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I, I know that I was born male, but I really do feel as if I'm female on the inside. That can be very dizzying to people who can't imagine the circumstances that had to exist prior to someone being able to say that in our culture and have it be intelligible. Um, and so I do think that, that, that there's a greater emphasis on youth ministry needing to know exactly what we are and what we're going to major in and to be able to identify um, application of Bible truth to the foundational Bible truths that we stand upon. Because those applications are going to be varied um, over time, um, depending on what these issues kind of come up for. And locking in on what those core values are, I think, is always going to be relevant, always, uh, to deal with counter movements that sort of try to move you off center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and even that, you're talking about just kind of movements being a flash in the pan, they're they're coming and going. Um, Yeah, that made me think about Gene Twingy's newest book, which I've only dipped into, I haven't read a whole lot, but Generations. And uh, her really talking about technology marking the distinctions between generations. And obviously, technology is changing so quickly. New generations are coming so quickly. And you just think about that kind of correlation with these movements as well. Um, anyway, that just kind of triggered that thought. Uh, Brent, did you want to jump in? Well, it's when you think about, when I think about reaching, equipping, you know, ministering to young people, it is, it, it is dizzying to use less as well. It's dizzying to think that this is forever a moving target. And it's just, you know, if you're the one in the seat doing the work, you show up to work, you know, I wouldn't say on a day-to-day basis, but certainly on a month-to-month and year-to-year basis wondering, is my job totally different than it was last year? And do I know how to do it? You know, am I good at it? And part of the challenge, I think, forever in doing ministry is ministry is hard to measure for the person, you know, existentially who's out there doing it. If you're, you know, especially in our reform tradition where we're not always counting nickels and noses and, and kind of hands raised and the flash in the pan experiential change. Uh, and you're kind of looking for the longer term sustained growth and change in someone's life. It's hard to know if the work that you've actually given yourself to is mattering in the moment. And, and that's not to say that you don't ever get those conversations with a student where you just are seeing the lights come on and there's some kind of marked uh, point of change. But I think with the game or, you know, the culture uh, and the rules of the game ever shifting, it is harder and harder to wonder, <laughs> am I, am I hitting the mark? Uh, am I speaking the language that they're fluent in? You know, am I intelligible to them? Does this ancient book, which I'm seeking to, uh, you know, teach them and apply to their lives, 
do or is it even intelligible? And so when you start thinking about that, you're so quickly into ex, into issues of contextualization. And, um, you know, and I, I think some of Leslie Newbig and stuff from, you know, mid 20th century is just timeless in this way. It, he talks about plausibility structures. Are the plausibility structures that you are building into the fabric of your ministry uh, as a youth leader, as a youth worker, parent, whatever it is, um, is the language you're speaking are the efforts that you're making intelligible and are they landing with students? And I think that is that that is a very important question to be asking um, and one that you need to have some friends, uh, some some mentors, some people who are in it with you that you can be constantly you know, chewing on those questions with. Uh, thinking about approaches, not just methodologies, but but even philosophical approaches of, of how you're going about ministry, how you're thinking about it, how you evaluate it. All those questions, I think, are are really important. They've always been important. But um, with the speed of things increasing, it is so much more important to have some anchors along the way uh, by which you can say, I, I think that I'm within the realm of understanding. I think that my approach is, you know, landing or connecting in some ways, and then obviously always being willing to change uh, when we're needed. Yeah, no, that, that's really good, Brent. And I like to just uh, surrounding yourself with friends, as you were saying, kind of accountability, things like that in place, uh, maybe kind of pivoting here a little bit, um, thinking about challenges of recruiting uh, people to serve in youth ministry. Um, I know we, you know, as a ministry, um, we're not this massive ministry, but there's, you know, we're connected to a decent amount of churches. And we know that so many churches right now are struggling to get youth workers um, that we we don't know ex what exactly this is, but it just seems like, um, yeah, so many churches are looking, so many churches are without youth workers. So many churches cannot hang on to youth workers. And of course, I'm a little biased because I did youth ministry for a long time. I've been on staff with RYM and I do think it's incredibly challenging. I know everyone can say, Oh, this is the hardest ministry. I mean, all ministry is hard, but just thoughts on, on any of that. It's not even a specific question of what are you guys seeing? What are you guys experiencing as you interact with churches, trying to get people to serve in youth ministry with it being so challenging? It seems like, just the culture being challenging that there just seems to be this fear of people stepping into this role and, and serving, um, react to that comments on that. Brent looks like you want to say something. Yeah. I'll, I'll let Les. I think Les would be interesting to hear from as, uh, you know, being a senior pastor and sitting on that side of it. I, I was really struck this fall as I was reading and listening to actually, I listened to the great dechurching a few times and then read it and our staff went through it last a uh, couple weeks ago at our, at our staff retreat. But the, the lines in there and the reports and the data in there that shows uh, essentially, and I'll summarize this, but young people are paying attention that they're paying attention to the church uh, that they're, that they've grown up in or the, the culture of the church they've grown up in their parents who are professing believers and the, uh, the politicalization of our culture, which has, no doubt, uh, trickled up or trickled out into the church, it has been absolutely off-putting to young people. And so, you know, this is a my kind of armchair quarterbacking interpretation of some of that data, but I just look at it and say, well, 
Well, no wonder young people aren't really thinking about ministry as a viable career path because they oftentimes look up at the dumpster fire that is this political, politic, politicized church environment. And they say, I don't want anything to do with that because it seems so far off from the message of the gospel, you know, kind of the core tenets of Christianity. And it's been hijacked by this other thing that I think that, you know, they're actually paying attention to our, our being the church's, um, you know, shame. They're paying attention to the battles that we've chosen to fight. And I think they're saying no thanks. And um, I, I say that with a great heaviness of heart and a tremendous desire to try and help churches in the degree that we can, but to help write the narrative and to look at young people and say, hey, yes, that is a sad reality in the church right now, but let's help you see what the actual work of ministry is and what the opportunity is with young people. Because the statistics, again, in that book and in other studies that have been done, they're, they're absolutely dreadful in terms of the number of young people walking out of the church never to return again. This isn't to even speak of people who don't start in the church. So I think to help young people see, you know, coming out of college or those formative years when they're getting a job or thinking about career, that youth ministry is, it is ripe for maximum impact, you know, employment, career, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and if you want to be a part of something that is so impactful that you literally are right up next to the end product, i.e. lives that are being changed, you'd have to convince me otherwise that youth ministry isn't actually the biggest bang for your buck, you know, impact for your life uh, job that's on the market right now. And there are plenty of them on the market. I have to bring you into my existential moment on that because I, one of the best evidences to the truthfulness of what Brent just said, um, dear listener, <laughs> is my slight anxiety of even commenting on what he just said. Um, I'm telling you that the polarization of dialogue among evangelicals around political topics in America today is the number one source of next generation alienation to the gospel that could exist. Nothing comes close. Uh, antagonistic Antagonism towards LGBT issues, that ain't it. Uh, Non-support of trans communities, that ain't it. The reason why the next generation fails to take the church seriously is because it is bought and sold by a certain political party. <clears throat> and so, and again, you got to hear me. I'm a little anxious even talking about this because this is going to go out. And I realize that the polarization, there's people out there that are rolling their eyes thinking, well, here goes less again. But the fact that we are unable to show to this next generation that Jesus is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. And that means he stands above all of the kings of the earth, whether they are the president of the United States or whether they are the prime minister of whatever country in the world. And what that means is, is that every single political movement, sure, sure, are going to have marks of his sovereignty over it because we have common grace. But every single political system in the world is also going to be fraught with human sin as well and therefore has to be critiqued. And this generation's inability to stand up and say, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, Jesus both affirms and critiques both, both. Now, that doesn't mean that we, it doesn't mean that we don't, in the end, choose however we feel our conscience are leading us to vote in the end. 
But we look bought and sold to the next generation. That is, that is the bottom line. Regardless of how passionate you feel about whatever sliver of political conviction you've gotten in on, we look bought and sold to the next generation. And I care about that. And that's the reason why I want to be involved in RYM, because it puts the gospel at the center and it keeps Jesus' lordship over all of these various uh, uh, movements. So, yeah, and I'm a little nervous about saying that because I'm probably going to get emails on the other side of it. As a lead pastor, it happens. So, Les, who, who did you vote for? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yes, no, no. <laughs> Very well said, Les. And I appreciate that because, like you said, uh, there's some fear in sharing that uh, because, uh, like you said, it's like this is such a volatile issue. Even to bring it up is is somewhat risky. But, I mean, of course, um, we, we've got – we cannot be ignorant to these challenges that are facing the church and, and ministry. So, yeah, it's important, even though, you know, some of this can be uncomfortable to talk about what we need to be talking about challenges. We don't need to be ignorant of this. Um, But I do also, I know we've got maybe 10, 15 minutes left. I'd love to talk about some things that excite us that are on the horizon, Uh, just opportunities for uh, the ministry. Um, I mean, specifically related to RYM, but even even broader than that. Uh, Les, Brent, I don't know who wants to jump in. here, but kind of some things on the horizon, vision uh, for the ministry. Brent, you, oh, Les, go for it. Yeah, I, you know, we, we, just to let the uh, your listeners in on the fact that we had a great board meeting a few weeks ago, and uh, we just had so much to celebrate. Uh, there's something really wonderful about participating with a group of people that are deeply passionate about youth ministry, uh, that again, want to live up to the goal of this ministry, which is to be the most trusted name in youth ministry. I think what you're going to see in the years to come is an expansion of conferences. Uh, our conferences obviously are our lifeblood. We, we, we do that very well. And uh, seeing those conferences go in various parts of the country where they're more accessible to people outside of the footprints that we commonly run in now uh, is one of the coolest things that you're going to start to see. Uh, so stay tuned, uh, dear listener, to the new opportunities that are coming there. I think the second one that, that jumps out at me is just how much emphasis is being put uh, as a board and as a ministry on the development of youth ministers uh, and making sure that they are well-resourced. I think that um, uh, youth leader training, what we affectionately refer to as YLT, that happens in January, is one of the most um, uh, exciting parts of what RYM is doing. Uh, we love what we be able to do. We love what we're able to do with young people themselves. But empowering those youth directors at that week-long conference, where you are trained, uh, where you are uh, nourished through the preaching of the word, where you are, um, um, you know, pr- le- building relationships with other uh, youth ministers that you're praying with in small groups, it is a serious shot in the arm of energy to a youth worker to have something that valuable and that resource. And the more that we build that out in other ways through our mentorship programs, uh, through cohorts that we're starting to build out of RYM, you're going to hear more and more opportunities as a youth minister to say, when I start to participate with RYM, they're going to cover almost every aspect of, um, of what I need to be empowered as a youth minister to do well in ministry. Yeah, no, listen, and just to maybe put a finer point on that, um, I know I've said something like this on the, on the podcast, but when I was doing student ministry, um, YLT became the week I had to have every year um, just to step away from ministry, step away from the church, be around like-minded people doing the same thing. And so 
I feel like I can say that because that was the case before I was on staff with this ministry. And so, I mean, if you're out there listening to this and you've never been to YLT and you've never experienced it, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to, to invest in, in YLT. And as uh, Brent has said, I know in our uh, uh, advertisement, we had a, a couple of weeks ago for it. Never let money be the reason you don't come. Um, please reach out. Uh, if you're in a church where um, budget's limited, uh, do not hesitate. We, we want you to come and we want to serve you in that way. And so, yes, continuing to educate youth workers and to pour in youth workers. And I, I'm convinced, too, that uh, a week like YLT just adds to the longevity of those ter- serving in youth ministry, that uh, you know that they stay in the game longer. And that's vitally important for for students. Uh, Brent, please jump in on this or, or anything else. Yeah, I I think just in addition to what you're saying right there about don't let money be an issue that you don't come in the first place. Let's say that you're at a church that actually you know has the funds to that's been earmarked for you to go to receive training. We actually have what we call the RYM pledge. And if you come to a training event or if you bring a group to a conference, as the leader, if something at that training event or that conference was not what you had hoped for or not what you expected it would be, or you're otherwise just disappointed or, or whatever it might have been, then uh, we will take care of that. Uh, we'll either say, hey, look, if you're just really done, we'll send you your money back. And, you know, uh, we hope that you don't go tell your friends how bad it was, whatever. Uh, but another option is give us a year to make it right. And we will we'll address the complaints that you had. And we'll invite you back next year for free. Uh, we can't comp all of your students, but we'll let you as a leader come back to a training or, or a conference, whatever it may be. And you can help us evaluate whether or not we took your complaint or your uh, need for improvement seriously and did such. So it's, it's really a no risk opportunity to come and see how passionate and how, uh, how serious we are about the task of uh, of training up youth leaders and those who are um, generally speaking into the lives of young people. We, we think it is massively important. Uh, so important, in fact, that uh, as a ministry, we are raising significant funds on our end to try to build out some of the structures of RYM that, you know, as Les mentioned, whether that's in conferences, I'm certainly thinking about training also so that we can expand into different parts of the country, but also expand in our depth and breadth of how we do what we do uh, in a sustainable way for years and decades and and generations even to come. We want to be the most trusted name in youth ministry. And part of building and engendering trust with individuals or with churches is to do things well over time. And uh, ministries, again, that Les was talking about earlier, that stand the test of time are those ministries that steward some of these behind the scenes, but very important issues well for years and decades. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow in a sure and steady way, but we do want to grow as we see the Lord leading us. And, uh, you know, if our looking back on RYM's expansion efforts through the years, uh, tend to be it tends to be the the way that that happens is uh, conferences would expand and as as additional networking opportunities happen with conferences that would uh, with churches that would come to conferences then there were additional needs for training of those youth leaders who were now in you know what I affectionately refer to as RYM's orbit or ecosystem just that we have relationships with 
Uh, we start seeing increased opportunities to train them and pour into them and to, to walk alongside their churches uh, in how they're thinking about youth ministry and just the, the full orbit of how it is we seek to uh, come alongside churches and resource them in all facets for the task at hand. Yeah. And, and let me say too, um, I, I know people tune into this from coast to coast and there are many states that, that listen to this podcast who don't have a, a conference nearby. Please let, let me just encourage you, reach out to us. Uh, let, let us know if, if you'd be interested in having an RYM conference in your area. And um, we'd love to, to interact with you and to pray and to cast vision on that. So let, let me just uh, please make that appeal as well. Um, Les and Brent, I know we've probably got five more minutes. Any other kind of bullet point things on the horizon, vision you would like to share? Anything else before we, we wrap this up? Well, I just I appreciate the chance to talk about RYM at any time. John, it's a, it's a great work that you're doing with the podcast. It's an amazing thing that's happening with Joe Deegan and the release of brand new music with RYM Music. Uh, we love to see, you know, how much good uh, Michael Hall is doing with the youth directors. I, I think staffing wise, you know, RYM is as strong as it's ever been. And, you know, seeing new hires on the horizon, seeing new abilities to move into other areas is another area that I'm excited about seeing where RYM goes. But it's also another thing to pray for. Um, and I don't know, y'all been talking about, you know, uh, financial uh, issues. Look, to all the local pastors that are out there listening to this, there is just no more valuable investment you can make than an RYM. And I, I want to challenge all of you. We came on board with RYM a number of years ago to start, start supporting them financially. And it has been an, a really unbelievably rewarding investment of our um, uh, benevolence giving or our in institutional evangelism giving from our church to see RYM flourish under that. And so I, I hope that at the end of the year, you'll consider thinking about next year's budget and putting RYM in that budget, uh, talking to whoever it is in your uh, uh, structure at your church that can make that happen and just let them see exactly what's going on. This is where the action is. <laughs> this is where God is at work uh, in just wonderfully exciting ways for the future. So we want to be invested. We hope you'll be invested too. Mm. Yeah, th thanks for that, Les. And, and Brent, do you have any closing remarks, anything you'd like to say as we, we close this out? I'm just grateful to get the chance to sit here and talk to you all about this. I mean, it's I think about it all day, every day. Uh, as a staff, we talk about it all the time. Loved getting to be with the board a few weeks ago to you know, continue to get their input and to share about the exciting things happening. Uh, and I use that word intentionally. It is exciting. Uh, not all, Not every day in its minutiae is, you know, life-changing and you don't always see the bigger picture impact of everything. But I think when we get these moments to zoom out and think about the potentiality of what can be, uh, in addition to the actuality of what is, I mean, it is incredibly invigorating. And again, whether it's you in a capacity of someone who can potentially support the ministry financially, certainly prayerfully, um, or you're someone who's in the seat doing youth ministry, let RYM partner with you in whatever it is that you want to do. Um, we, we really do seek to um, be trusted. We want to do things well. We want to work with excellence. Uh, we take our relationships very seriously. It's one of our core values. And we hope and pray that as you interact with us in all the various ways that you might, that that, that, that relationship bears fruit over time that just continues uh, to plant seeds for the kingdom for years, decades, and generations to come. 
Yeah, well said. And this, yeah, invigorating, that's a good word, Brent. Uh, this conversation, uh, just really have enjoyed it, encouraged by it. Uh, Les, Brent, thank you for the, the two of you, just your individual investment and what you mean uh, to RYM, but specifically taking the time to, to come on the podcast today. Mm-hmm.